Boom, there it is. Got it. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Business Banter. I have Andrew Hartman, who is the CEO of Hartman Independent Company. That's a we're gonna get a little insight into the independent word there, aren't we, Andrew? So I as I was telling Andrew, we normally start out here and just give me a little give our listeners a little overview of yourself and what you've been doing with yourself up until this point of life. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question, Taylor. I love the I love the broad scope there. Um, you know the the thing that's fun about that question is I can go a lot of different directions. But uh, you know I'm a I'm a third generation business owner, and I think that immediately puts me into a, a subcategory in the business space. And so while I'm so thankful for all the people and all the different influences that have gotten me to the place where I am. It's not a place where many companies go. You know, that third generation is typically seen as the generation where businesses fail. And um, we are not failing. Uh, we are we are growing. We are succeeding. I'm thankful for my father, my grandfather before me, who have led me to this place. But the Hartman Independent Company was founded in 1948. So we actually turned 75 years old this week. So good timing by you. Um, this is literally our 75th uh, anniversary week. And um, my grandfather founded this company in 48 in, in the state of California. He had been out there from World War II. And he brought that he brought the business of what we do from California back to the mid-Atlantic region here in Pittsburgh. Um, and what we do and what we've done ever since then is we specialize in construction and industrial fastening systems. And that's just special talk for nailing, stapling, screwing, anchoring, um, any any fastening system that's needed to put a house together, to build a pallet, to build a product of, of many different types, we support those processes by giving them the tools and then the fasteners companies need to actually do those things. And we've done that ever since the beginning. That's a space in our in our economy that continues to be just a, a vast necessity. You know, you look at our our landscape now, the demand for housing, the demand for renovation. Every manufacturing facility uses a fastener in some way or, or shape or form. So we continue to be relevant. Um, and there's a lot of nuance to that story, but that's that's where we started. That's where we've grown and that's where we've stayed. And that's where we see ourselves continuing to make the most difference in our space. But like many companies, we've had to kind of redefine, remove some things, bolt other things on. And uh, that's also what gets it gets me out of bed and gets me excited in the morning. So, so um, sort of going, going back and so have you always worked for the family company or did you do, have you done other things besides working for your family company? Like what was your history in terms of? Yeah. 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 So I started, I was sort of like the classic oldest child. So I'm the oldest of four siblings. And when I was the rebellious teenager, I wanted nothing to do with my dad's business, even though at the same time, it was like the easiest way to make money. Um, so as a teenager, I started working in the business. I was fixing uh, pneumatic nail guns and uh, different things in our repair department. Um, great way to understand some of the fundamentals of the business, a way to way to get your hands dirty, get your eyes opened, um, rub shoulders with guys that have phenomenal work ethic that taught me a lot of things about life. Um, but I at that same time, I really didn't see myself and I had no vision for what I wanted to do. So through my teens, I was like, yeah, no, I don't want anything to do with dad's company. Um, I ended up graduating high school and then going to, to the Jefferson College uh, with the intent 
of being a large animal veterinarian and quickly in that journey um i just got absolutely destroyed by that path other things were kind of going on in life and uh, especially around my the, my relationship with my future wife and uh you know the, the prospect of years upon years upon years of schooling and racking up massive student loan debt you know that just in in the in the <laughs> in the face of reality it just didn't seem like the path to go so mm-hmm. um, i remember it was my senior year my wife and i were actually engaged at the time and my dad came to me towards the end of the first semester and was like so what do you think you're going to do with yourself and i had no i had no clarity there so i said you know what um i'm going to pray about it i'm going to think about it and so i came back to him about a week later and i said well if there is room in the company i'd love to join it and at the time, he had made me know as well that there was going to be an opening in our warehouse management role by the end of that, by the end of my second term. And so when I answered it that way, his response was, great, you can apply on Monday. And so I actually went and filled out like a full application and ended up having to interview with guys that I had been working with um, that I was now interviewing to lead or be a co-leader with. Um, upon graduating college. And so upon graduating WJ in the in the spring of 02, um, I joined the company full-time as the warehouse manager and started a journey that began really, it began when I was 14 fixing nail guns, but just progressed all the way through. I went from a grunt repairman to a grunt laborer to coming into the business as a warehouse manager, having all that operational experience as a grunt worker but now answering to the sales department and the purchasing department and the executive team on the performance of the warehouse, the logistics and delivery system, all of those different things. And, you know, worked my way through that role for two and a half years, was offered a sales territory following that. So now exposure to a different side of the business, um, worked that sales territory for about three years. And in that time as a salesman, really, I saw a lot of opportunity outside of our core products. So I mentioned earlier, the fasting, the nailing, stapling, et cetera. I saw a lot of complementary product, packaging products, specialty packaging products, safety, um, janitorial. I was able to see where as a distributor partner to our cups, to our customer base, we could really become someone that they could lean on for the physical goods that they needed to run their business. And so I kept throwing all these opportunities to purchasing and purchasing was getting frustrated. And then I was going to my dad and the executive team and they were getting frustrated. So there got to be a point where I was spending so much time creating new opportunity for the business that I was really sort of neglecting some of my own territory. So there, there was a natural sort of growing out of the sales role and into sort of like a product management slash sales management role, which sort of became this nebulous, I did a little bit of everything. I had already done a lot within the business and I was sort of floating around, helping other salesmen, helping purchasing, working with accounts payable and accounts receivable, still touching the warehouse and the repair shop, but had no title, had no authority. And uh, my dad sat me down at one point and said, so, um, you know, what do you see yourself doing? And I said, well, what do you see me doing? And do you see me as the next ring of leadership of the business or not? And uh, it was a good push me, pull me moment where he was pushing me and I was pushing him 
but we sort of together pulled ourselves to the answer of, yeah, I, I'd already put in a lot of time in the business. Dad made a formal statement to me at that time of like, look, I see you as the one taking over. And so he created a role for me as vice president within the company. We'd never had such a stratified leadership type system. It had been dad as the CEO and president and then everybody else up to that point. So then following that, it became dad, then me, then everybody else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and that was a wonderful opportunity. And I had six years in that role, a little over six years, where dad gave me a ton of space to get my head around what that meant and how to build teams and how to lead teams and how to look at strategic vision and mission for the company, all while he was still extremely involved. Um, but he gave me a ton of space to make decisions, to to fail, to learn from those failures, to 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 pivot. Um, and so I, I was in that role until the end of 2016 when uh, I was able to become an owner in the business. And at that time, it also corresponded with some of the things in his own personal life. And he wanted to sort of simplify some things. So I became president at the end of 2016 of the business. He stepped out of that role. And um, that kind of leads into a whole different component. But I've been in that president CEO slash owner role uh, since the end of 2016 to today. That's great. I know you have a couple kids going to get, you know, work on the next generation coming up. I know that I think your kids are pretty young right now, but uh, never too early to start planning. <laughs> they're, they're not as young as, as they once were, obviously. And, and um, my oldest actually turns 20 tomorrow. So oh my goodness, we're, it's knocking They're They're closer than, than I care to, to think about. Um, one of the things that, that I, I've, I've grown as I've led this business. One of the things that I've used as one of the um, the stools of my legs of my stool, if you will, is leaning into partnerships over the last, it's almost 15 years at this point. Um, I've leaned heavily into trade associations and buying groups that our business has been affiliated with. And through leaning into that, have spent a massive amount of time um, networking, talking to other business owners and business leaders from fellow distributors to manufacturers to those that are leading the actual groups of which we're a part and have just been exposed to so many different thoughts and theories and, and experiences. And one of the things that I took out of that was that I don't want my kids just coming straight into the business. I really want them to go experience how other companies do things. So while I, I'm actually pretty confident that of the four kids that I have, one, if not many of them, will end up in our business. I have said to them, look, following college, you've got to go work somewhere else first and mm -hmm. uh, and gain that experience. I don't, I don't want to force on them the, the, the path that I already took. And so uh, we'll see how that pans out, obviously. But that's yeah. the that's the direction we're going to take. Well, that's great. I mean, it's, it's, it's a testament to you that, you know, of the four, you have some that are interested. I mean, that's, you know, that's great. It sounds to me like, you know, a lot of times businesses, you know, have sons are doing just what you do, right? Have them go, you know, work somewhere else, figure out how things are done. And then if they want to come back, come back to the family business. So I think that's a, that's a smart, smart path. So I know our, our time's limited here a little bit, but why don't we talk a little bit about the future? And then again, this could be, 
as I said, you know, do you see technology changing or everyone's into the big AI stuff? Do you see that changing your business or other things uh, on the horizon that might affect you for positive or negative? That might be a good way to segment out here. If you got any thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that one of the areas that I have continued to, to, to grow in, and I still have a long way to go, is being able to pick my head up and look out and look out further. Um, I think one of the limitations of a family business sometimes is that you only know what you know, and you kind of have a, a tight circle that ends up kind of looping around itself over and over and over. And even when you look up, you, you might be looking out five years or seven years versus 15 or 20. And um, I know I've got a lot of growth to do in that space, but when I look out specifically at our, at our company, our industry, uh, you know, it's transition like so many. Yeah. AI is a, is a component of it. I think you're going to see AI, especially in the building trades, um, remove some of the, the searching for answers to code and specs and um, product selection on, at a technical level. You know, all that can be built into an AI uh, platform where those answers are provided. And so that's going to, that will limit some of the value that used to reside in the distribution partner and in the manufacturing partner. Um, and some of that's already starting to flow through. But what's interesting is that what it's done it's actually just streamlined the distribution relationship with the customer because now the customer is coming with the same information that we have, but the fulfillment side of that still resides in the distribution space, not the manufacturing space. For a manufacturer to pivot and suddenly provide the same level of service and fulfillment that a distributor does, the scale up for that's going to be the, the ramp up of that is going to be a long, long process. And I just don't think that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to occur anytime soon. So while disruptive, I think it's only going to be positive for all parties in, in the future. Um, further to that, and it, the big manufacturers, if, if you kind of take a step back and you look at distribution at, at its fundamental core, a distributor is representing a manufacturer of a product to the user of that product. As a distributor, we're not adding a whole lot of innovative, uh, you know, I'm not re- manufacturing the good or I'm not, you know, innovating some new solution. What I'm doing is I'm communicating that solution and then supporting that solution in the marketplace. And so we become, a, we are very dependent upon strong relationships in two directions. We have to have strong relationship with our manufacturer partner, but then we also have to have strong relationship with the user of that innovation in the, in the marketplace. And so when I look at the future, I see utilizing the technological improvements that are, that are there, that are coming, uh, that will not stop coming as a way to keep those relationships strong. Technology in and of itself isn't the answer, but if we use technology to strengthen the things that matter, and for us, it's, those, it's the relationships of communicating value, communicating innovation, communicating um, the bundling and package ability that we have, that becomes a way that that technology becomes a benefit. Um, so 
when I when I look at the future, it's going to be leaning heavier into relationship. It's an old adage, and we hear it just time and time again. People buy from people, and that's not going to change at any point. You know, we face competition from Amazon, from people who want to be Amazon. But in our space, there's enough, there's enough value brought by the person, brought by the the non-AI. So AI can get, get you to a point. Technology gets you to a point, but then there's this gap. And that gap is the human interaction. And so while that gap might get tighter, while that gap might look different, um, it's never going to go away. And so as we as we embrace the future, it's understanding and not being intimidating, intimidated by that technology and then using it to, to frame our value into the marketplace over and over and over again. That's great. Some great insights there. Some very good insights on, I think you're right on with your observations. I think, you know, as all of us who have ever been in sales, there's a lot of things that are in the technology space, but, you know, I think you still need the human element to troubleshoot and fix problems. And yeah, I think that AI is, I've told a lot of people is a great tool, but yes. uh, it's not going to be the be all end all, you know, at least not right away. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, no, I, I think, I, I think I agree with that. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be some industries that are be disrupted more than others. Um and maybe faster than others, but uh, ours, our industry is still a very hands-on, um, yes, technical, and that's going to be where we're going to be. You know, that's where the AI can come in first. But the hands-on, face-to-face side of this business is is going to take a long time to to eliminate, if if ever. Yeah. Well, great. Well, really appreciate your time, Andrew. I know we're coming up on your a stop here. You got to go off, but. Uh... Thanks for for chatting this morning. I really appreciate it, Taylor. Your your uh, invitation. It's been a long time for us to get this done, but I, I'm glad we finally had the conversation and uh, happy to talk at any time. Sounds great.